Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Zach Breaker. I'm Purnima Thakre. Both of us co-lead Refine and Focus. We are innovation and marketing firm based in Boston. And we have, you know, one of our secret sauce or one of our most important things that we value at Refine and Focus is culture of continuous learning. And it's a part of everything that we do every day. And that's what we are going to talk about it. And during last few months, it made us realize that how much more important this culture of continuous learning is, especially to build a pivoting muscle for times like this. But you can't suddenly build that muscle overnight. You need to create the framework and you need to build it step by step. So it's going to go on like this. I'm going to be the one asking questions today and Zach Breaker here is going to answer my questions. First question is why? Why do we need this culture of continuous learning or why do we need to keep on learning all the time? We go to school, colleges, get nice degrees. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. Um, <clears throat> you, you need to learn all the time because one is it keeps your mind fresh. It keeps you agile. It keeps you able to think on your feet so important, but most importantly, it also lets you be empathetic. I mean, the more you learn about people and perspectives, the more you can relate to them. And I think as marketers and innovators, it's really important to be able to tap into and think clearly about people and their different needs. Um, also, I find that learners are also sharers and the people who are learning and sharing are helping to build the kind of culture that we wanna be a part of and that our clients seem to be very attracted to. And right now there's so much happening in the world that's so critical that there's really an opportunity to hit pause and refresh your learning. The things that you thought you knew, you might not know. I mean, if you look at you know, what's happening in our streets, what's happening um, personally with people, what's happening with the pandemic, these are very critical life-changing issues that many of us have never experienced before. So those who are learners, those who are able to seek other perspectives, share, study and grow, there's an advantage there. There's an advantage for yourself, there's an advantage for your companies, and, uh, and there's an advantage for uh, how quickly you can be resilient and respond. Yeah, I will soon go into details of those advantages so that we understand them better. But just so that you know, if you, I'm the one asking questions here today, but if you have any questions about the culture of continuous learning or about pivoting or about how to be, anything that is related to continuous learning or anything about work life, just feel free to type in those questions in the chat window. And I'm going to, with that, I'm going to go to my next question. Next question for Zach is, do you walk this talk? Do you personally, professionally, and for your company follow this culture of continuous learning? Yeah, I mean, uh, continuous learning is a core value of mine. It's a core value of the companies. So um, I practice this in my life all the time. Um, I'm actively seeking out new people and new perspectives to have conversations with. I'm looking for literature from different cultures and different parts of the U.S. spectrum and experience to read, to understand different mentalities. Um, I'm going to events and talking to various folks and most importantly, I'm learning from our team. We have such a great team, especially this summer, from all these different perspectives that I get a chance to understand things and look at it from their point of view. Um, these are just facets of continuous learning. 
But there's another facet as well, which is, you know, how we create um, silence and space and time to reflect on ourselves and reflect on what matters to us. And that is a type of personal growth. That's also continuous learning. Continuous learning doesn't mean just shoving down as many white papers and Harvard Business Review articles as you can possibly read as quickly as possible, but really taking the time to reflect and get clear on what kind of learning matters to you, where does it hit you, and what do you want to do with it actively? It's one thing to just read a lot of things, but that's only one modality. Reading, sharing, teaching, exploring, these are all parts of the spectrum, and I'm proud to say that we do this at Refine & Focus, and that I do this uh, every day of my life. It keeps me um, keeps things interesting. Yeah, that that's what, that's what you know. We will be talking about advantages one more time in detail. And thank you for saying that because most of the time when we talk about continuous learning, people think that you know you need to go through this humongous amount of uh, reading or listening. Or but there are so many more ways that you can learn from like zach mentioned you can learn from people you can learn from your surroundings you can learn from teaching um and you you try to build this culture in your own company also so do you try to create different approach for different people or do you have like kind of similar approach that you go on teaching everyone well, first off, I, I think continuous learning is a quality you can hire for. You can see it. It's observable. It's a behavior. And that's quite important in terms of who we work with, both who's on our team and who we partner with. So it starts from hiring right and building the right team who has that as a core value and who can, who can illustrate it. Um, I've noticed that within continuous learning, there's different spectrums that there are some people who are skeptical and they don't want to learn. And it's kind of like exercise. They don't want exercise. It may be good for you, but they're not going to do it. And there's some people that said, I wish I had time for it. I, I know learning is important. I'd love to learn another language. I'd love to um, learn Python. I'd love to think about French literature, but I just don't have any time. And then there's a the people who are the triathletes. They're, they're actively running and learning and interested and cultural and fascinating and they're saying give me more give me more give me more and so what i found is that we tend to gravitate uh more towards the people who have the the give the give me more mentality and that's how we've been able to structure our culture but we have been able to work with and uh, collaborate with those other two types what are other two types the skeptics hyper learners and so the skeptics and the wish I had more times. Wish I had more times. Okay. In every now and then we do we do land up uh, landing on wish I had more time and skeptics. How do you deal with them? So skeptics, I mean, if you think about how do you get someone to exercise? I mean, you can scare them. Hey, you know, you have a health issue and you need to exercise. There's a dire need for it. You know, you can motivate them, and if the motivation is superficial, then it's just a New Year's goal doesn't last. So how do you really cause that behavioral change to someone that doesn't want to change? It's very hard to. And so what we usually do is we invite them to be curious about what they're curious about. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, there's a mindfulness exercise that I believe Jonathan Kabat-Zinn created, and it's about taking a raisin, a simple raisin, and noticing it with exquisite intel, uh, intelligence and attention, feeling the raisin a different way, 
noticing the grooves on your tongue, squishing it, and ultimately paying attention to this, this fruit that otherwise you'd look at uh, one-dimensionally, but it opens up because you become curious about it. And the curiosity uh, basks this raisin in an entirely new light. And so the same thing, if we're talking to people that are skeptical and don't really want to learn, um, one is to try to get curious about what were they curious about when they had time, when they were in school, what did they want to be, what they want to become, and get them curious about something. And then start them very, very small. Don't give them a huge book to read or a huge um, amount of effort, but something as small as a TED Talk on a topic that you know interests them very deeply, or even a quote. What you're doing is you're encouraging their curiosity and their curiosity is what's going to make them want to get more involved. Lastly, with skeptics, there's a quote I really like, which basically says that if you want someone to build a ship, don't give them hammers and nails, give them a longing for the sea. And so that's what I think about with skeptics is you give them a longing to be curious, a longing to want to know more. And that may provoke their interest so that they become curious and they become um, more likely to be involved. Yeah, thank you for uh, uh, th that was really good because, you know, it really clarified that if you want to create the culture of learning in your own team or in your own company, it's not enough or if one, it's not one size fits all. Everyone has different ways of learning, different personalities of learning and different needs of learning. And based on everyone's ways of learning, you will need to create different kinds of uh, structure, framework, if I may say, for each one of them. And uh, in the different kind of carrot also, you, you know, everyone is not going to, just because you gave them something to learn, they're not going to learn from it. And it may not even be the right thing for them to learn. Uh, you know, we, the basic point of this discussion is the advantage of continuous learning, which, you know, you said in the beginning, you said that there are many advantage of it, advantages of it. Are there one or two advantages that you would like to underline and go slightly deep into? Um, in terms of advantages of continuous learning, um, there is plenty of studies, and I'm happy to share this with anyone that, that wants them, but there are studies that talk about Continuous learners sell more, drive more revenue, are more effective employees, are more effective leaders. And you can see that because they're always learning about their customers, their clients, their market, the economy, and that's keeping them a step ahead. So there is kind of hard benefits about to your career for, from a continuous learning standpoint. Um, and the other thing is that it, it's not always about facts and figures. In fact, it's seldom about facts and figures, but when you when you are continuously learning, you're learning new models and new ways of thinking about the world. So, for example, um, you know, someone who is who has gone through the pandemic, who is from China, might experience the, the, the reality of the pandemic very differently than someone who's from the U.S. Their actual frame of reference, who they trust, how they got through is completely different. And so by understanding their paradigm, what they went through, how they process and, and solve problems can give you access to an entire new way of being, an entire new way of problem solving, which you wouldn't have access otherwise had you not been curious. And how has this, uh, one more time, you know, if you have any questions for Zach or for me related to topic of continuous learning, you can feel free to put those in the chat window and we are happy to answer those questions. 
And my next question uh, to Zach is how has this impacted either your business or your client's business? Um, it's impacted our business in, in a lot of ways. Um, I don't, we don't want to engage people who aren't continuous learners. I think it's the most important quality of uh, the interns, the employees, the partners we work with. Um, it's impacted and we've come to learn the long way. We didn't always think that. I mean, we were looking at subject matter skills as being very important and it, they are very important. But the way people learn and their commitment to learning and curiosity really changes how they engage and the questions they ask and the kind of collaborators they are. So it's been absolutely critical from that perspective. Um, clients that are not likely to change and are satisfied with the status quo, either they have a competitive advantage because of patents and they're able to sustain it in some really lucky way, or they don't last very long. Um, think about how consumer behaviors and buying patterns are gonna change as a result of the pandemic. If you're not agile and willing to learn and grow, it's gonna be very hard to keep up and being very difficult to serve your, 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 your clients. So uh, those who learn lead and, and, and thrive and those that don't learn um, usually become very resistant and oftentimes don't make it. Yeah, and especially in last 10, 20 years, we have seen how fast our surroundings change, especially like not just in last 10, 20 years. Yes, it has changed really fast, but in last four or five months, things changed overnight. So if we were not prepared for uh, being pivoting or being agile, it wouldn't have been good for either us or our clients. Uh, last question, you know, we are, uh, uh, we are not at time, but I think we have covered a lot of, you know, we were so efficient and so on point that we have covered a lot. And uh, before we end this, I wanted to know, where do you get started? Like, you know, everybody understood how, why, what, but if you want to start building this culture of continuous learning, either for yourself or for your team, where do you start? You know, you, there's the poetic answer and then there's the business answer and I'll give you both. Um, the poetic answer is you start by reflecting and cultivating on the intention of why you want this continuous learning in the first place. It's like a small little fire and you have to blow it inside the organization and you think about what we would gain and how people would change and the way they would ask questions differently. You think very critically about what this engine or this little fire could do and how it would impact people's lives. And I always start with an image. So start with an image and let that image grow in your mind and really visualize what continuous learning would do in an organization as a visual. In terms of where to start, you know, I believe you start with conversation. And which conversation to have? I mean, that's about selecting what's appropriate for your culture and what fits for your culture. But it's about getting people around the virtual Zoom table or a real table and opening up something that matters a great deal to their lives. Um, whether this is something that is political in nature or whether this is something that's personal in nature or whether it's about um, an article, you invite people to share and you create a structure 
And the most important thing is that structure because people don't want to come into a meeting that doesn't have any rules and can go on for five hours. You want to have a nice structure. Maybe it's a 90 minute conversation. You ask people to speak one at a time, which is so incredibly important. And you create a safe space where there's no one attacking one another. And there's a moderator who can help facilitate um, some of these key questions. And as this discussion grows, it can start with three people. You bring more people into the discussion until it becomes kind of a place to be. And that place to be can spread and, 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 and take root and then establish a rhythm in an organization. And you can build many, many more um, opportunities for dialogue uh, virtually and in person as a result of that. So start with an image and cultivate the image and then start with the conversation and create some structure to ensure it's going to work well. It's it's very powerful. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's the curiouser model that we use. It's and uh, just through conversation, structured conversation and facilitated conversations, we learn so much from each other. It's like in the it doesn't 90 minutes to learn something doesn't feel like a lot, but it can be a, a conversation with 10 different people can be life-changing sometimes. Okay, so we have our first question from Yantin. Hi, Yantin. Nice to see you. Uh, Yantin is asking, you made the distinction between hyper-learners, the continuous learners, then uh, the wish I had more time, which is the middle level, and the skeptics. Then Zach went into details of uh, methods for engaging the skeptics but he did not mention much about wish I had more time. So Yantin is asking, what would be the methods for wish I had more time? Would it be same? Yantin, I would love to answer your question, but I don't have enough time right now. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the wish I had more time, there's an easy way and a hard way of doing this. The hard way of doing this is to confront someone and say, you do have more time. You're not prioritizing things correctly. You know, Let's look at your calendar. Let, tell me why you're saying that. Let's, let's, let's reflect on why you feel that you don't have more time. That will almost always get you a defensive reaction and will probably never, ever, ever work. But that's true. People oftentimes don't prioritize well, and that's why they don't have time. Um, and they're very busy. But the way that I would look at it otherwise would be to look at your routine and to get very clear, just like you do a, a journey map for someone who wakes up in the morning all the way through when they go to bed at night. And look at those spaces and those opportunities where learning can be fit in uh, on the go. So, for example, if this is pre-pandemic and you're driving somewhere between appointments, have a podcast ready in advance so you don't have to fumble or wonder what you're going to be listening to. If you're taking a walk every day, there's an opportunity to insert that learning into your career, um, excuse me, into your routine. The other thing you can do is crowdsource to other busy people and say, you know, what's something that you're enjoying that's under 50 pages right now that I can consume? But essentially what you're really trying to do is whether you're washing dishes or folding laundry or um, walking or driving, there's some spaces along the way where there is some time to learn. And if you simply make one space every day for even a small window of 30 minutes to learn, then you can on the weekend, like on Sunday, you can cultivate um, a list of things that you want to use for that space. But it really starts by developing that muscle for saying, I don't have time, but I do have time when I'm doing something in my routine to welcome in that small space. And you start by doing that. And when you do it, 
over and over again, and you can start adding more and more and more and, uh, and finding the space along the way. Yeah. That's, that's uh, the podcast way is our routine way of learning. We have, we, we usually have podcasts listed all the time for uh, listening forever. And we always have one podcast to listen to when we go for our walks. And we look forward to those. Any other questions? Uh, Eduardo is asking any favorite places or tools to find valuable content or resources? Um, my old favorite tool has always been Twitter. Um, I really like to take a hashtag and type it in Twitter and to just scroll scroll through and wonder and reflect. I also like to, when I'm doing search.twitter.com, I like to find not just the hashtags, but the ones that have links so I can see articles and videos associated to it. I find so many cool things that I would never thought about when I'm looking at the general Twitter on a particular hashtag. I have to say that's my absolute kind of favorite go-to. Also, once a week, I'll go through um, Eventbrite, essentially the entire thing for my city, um, Boston, and look at um, maybe 250 different events and find a few real gems. And then when I find them, one of the ways that I'm more likely to go is when I circulate that event to people I want to go with me and I kind of make it, a, I socialize the event. So that's one of the, I just, you don't know, just find the event, but you socialize it to increase for me the satisfaction so we can talk about it. Thank you. Thank, thank you for that. And, and uh, this is a really good question. You haven't written your name there, but it's a really good question. It's about the gap between, so why do you think there is such an experience gap between workplace education versus consumer experiences from which you can learn? Sure, well, first off, I have to mention that a good friend of ours has created um, a brand and a website called Working Nation. And Working Nation talks a lot about different kinds of education and learning in the work environment and vocational learning. So I would have to say that the best answers to that question are going to reside with that brand because that's what they specialize in. So workingnation.com. But I would, um, I would say that there, there, there's so many things that, 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 that go into that answer. Um, if you look, you know, if you, if you look at the, the employees who are going to come up through Gen Z and how they learn and what they expect and that they, that they expect kind of some of the aspects of their college experience to carry over into their work experience and to be tantalized and excited and engaged. These are not the same experience that older millennials might have or even boomers might have. So I think there's just uh, uh, the generation, generational divides are speaking to the experiences in, in really big ways. But I also think that there are um, a lot of benefits of upskilling um, workforces and when you look at uh, lists of companies that are that are noted as the best places to work, I would also tell you that those are the companies that are usually the best places to learn. Um, and they invest in their employees, they invest in experiences, they take time to cultivate these things. So at the macro level, um, I don't really have the great answer for that. I think Working I Nation would have a better. Yeah. But go ahead. I, I can I can I can add here, uh, which you know goes back to understanding your customer. It is if uh, an organization understands their customer well, then they will know what the customer needs are and what the 
education related to that experience should be. And the organizations who spend time to understand their customer also spend time to understand their employees. And an organization which has both these understanding of one is a generational understanding, like Zach mentioned, you know, millennials, Generation Z, Gen Z, Gen X, everybody learns things differently and everybody's needs are different. The organizations which spend time on their employees on understanding these generational personal skill differences and understanding their customer needs, they can create good programs and good matches between between the workplace education and their customer needs. So that's what is lacking. The lacking component is they don't have enough insights to create right kind of things. And uh, looks like we don't have any more questions. If you have any more questions on this topic or any other topic, my name is Purnima Thakre. Zach's name is Zach Breaker. You can reach out to us on our LinkedIn profiles, which would be listed with this blog post when we post this uh, video. And uh, you know, we would love to answer your questions, have discussions, conversations, and learn a lot from you. And that's the point about this LinkedIn Live also. Thank you for sharing this lunch with us and uh, telling us what are these yummy things that you were eating. We are also hungry. So we are going to go back and eat our lunch now. And hopefully we'll see you in a few weeks. This was very exciting. And uh, we learned a lot from even those two, three questions that we saw. Thank you so much. And we look forward to learning with you. And we have a lot of opportunities uh, that we have at Refine and Focus to learn together. So follow our newsletter. That's where you'll hear about them and our social media. And you're very welcome to learn with us. Add add as much value as you like and learn from great, great people, but we'd love to have you with us. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously, you know, we will be back with another LinkedIn life. This was our first one and, uh, was exciting. So see you guys soon. Thanks guys. Bye. -bye.